is back for 2018. The Football Sec Podcast for Russia. Welcome to episode three of a Football Sacks podcast for Russia, the first in-tournament pod we've done. My name's Ben Smith. Thanks for joining us wherever you are. We're coming to you the morning after the Socceroos' brave 2-1 defeat to France. We'll be talking about that, plus going through the rest of the games. I'm joined today by the man once called the best left winger since Stalin. It's Louis Granich. <laughs> hey, Smithy. How are we? Good, thanks. I know you're, uh, you're looking a bit tired. I know you got up overnight to watch the uh, Croatians beat Nigeria 2-0. Just, just to correct you, I um, didn't get up. I stayed up just like I did for the Portugal game. And um, yeah, a bit cooked this morning, but World Cup fever, mate. That gets you through it. Also joining me today, a man who would have happily given Robbie Williams a finger in front of the entire world. It's Jeremy Truong. He is quite the entertainer and a bit like Louis. I'm a bit cooked as well, but uh, that's us for the next three weeks. Game on. Beautiful. Also joining us today, a man we have more faith in than the average Optus stream. It's Sean Fry. Hello, gentlemen. Good, thanks. How are you feeling, Sean? You've got a bit of egg on your face after your predictions about the <laughs> Russian team last time. Yeah, I actually thought you were saying I had something on my face. No, uh, <laughs> j- just the humble pie that I have to yeah consume after that prediction. Would you like to remind the uh, listeners what it was? Uh, I predicted that Russia would be the worst host nation performance of all time uh, at, at <laughs> all any time. World Cup. And worse than South Africa, worse than yeah anyone you can point back to. And then they obviously came out and humbled uh, Saudi Arabia 5-0. So. But in my defence, I, I do want to point out that from all the reviews and things before I came up to make my debut last week, I heard that you guys were needed a bit of colour and that you were, if anything, too knowledgeable and you had too much football knowledge. <laughs> you basically so I thought I'd come in here as like, yeah, as just a bit a of a wild card. Yeah, with, okay. a, with no knowledge whatsoever. And um, yeah, that and I think I did my job. We'll get straight into the Socceroos. And Louis, are there any more depressing two words in football than gallant defeat? There are. There's plenty of players. Christian um, Poulsen? Yes. Christian Poulsen <laughs> comes to mind. Um, I think there's a lot of things worse than gallant defeat I think we can hold our heads high a thing that stuck out to both uh, myself and my brother we spoke about it this morning was Van Marwijk's attitude straight after the game he was visibly disappointed so it's not the the classic Aussie thing of we played a heavyweight we were the underdog we had a good crack and um, that's sort of our job done it was we really should have got a point out of that and maybe even nick something but uh, that's the attitude we need carrying us forward if we want to go to that next level Jez, I know you weren't the biggest fan of a Socceroos performance. Would you like to elaborate? Yeah, I actually wasn't too impressed. Um, we sort of sat back and let France attack, 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 and they just peppered us um, from outside the penalty box. We had to play um, that counter-attack that Bert is known for when he uh, was coaching the Saudi Arabians, um, and our front four were just pretty much uh, ineffective. You saw when Rogic got subbed out that Juric uh, had to come into the game as well. Um, and that sparked a little bit of life, but uh, yeah, it was, it was the result that we were expecting, but a performance that I think we were all pretty proud of as well, though. Yeah, I'm going to jump in and completely disagree with everything that you've said. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, I just thought you look at the teams on paper and you look at the number of quality players that France has compared to us, and it's just a chasm in class, an absolute golf in class. Not and. Day. And the, for us to put in the performance we did, and uh, I think the, the setup was spot on. I don't know what France were doing. They seemed to be happy after their initial, you know, they tested Matt Ryan a few times, but they were all pretty routine saves early on. After that initial bit of pressure, they just, they, they sat back and they didn't press high up the pitch. They didn't try to win the ball high up the pitch and get Griezmann and Pogba and Mbappe into dangerous positions. 
Um, and I don't think, as as Australia, I don't think you have any choice with with what you do. You have to work hard and be tight and compact and limit the space for those guys. And I thought we did it. And yeah, one lucky goal with the the deflection that ended up off the crossbar a millimeter over the line. And I'm sure we'll get on to VAR, but we we could have easily got a win, let alone snatch a point. So I I was happy with that. Spells of possession were a big thing. So I, I didn't see us keeping the ball for, you know, five five-minute periods, and, and we did that throughout the first half. I remember audibly cheering to my mates when the possession count came up at halftime. I said, lads, we've had 45% possession. That's, out, that's outrageous. Like, against France, that's really something to hang your hat on. And I obviously know that's a... Um, uh, a bit of a philosophical thing whether you know possessions win wins games and how important it is and and that sort of thing but that's something that should hold us in good stead and I think did hold us in good stead for the second half I thought Moy and Sainsbury were both fantastic Sainsbury a cool customer at the back him and Matt Ryan you know uh, assured the defense Moy's composure in the middle of the park all my, me and my mates were just saying he's just angling for a move like he's been so good for Huddersfield but I tell you what the performance he put in last night he he, he was just as good as any of the French midfielders. I, I personally didn't think Pogba did much until the goal, and even the goal was, was fortuitous. It was an own goal, really. It came off as his Bayich yeah. last. And it was, I thought there's been a lot of pressure on our fullbacks uh, in the last few weeks, but I thought Risden and Bayich can both hang their heads high. The entire team can really hold their heads high for me. But, I mean, it's just desperately unlucky for Bayich coming across, trying to make the intervention. Unfortunately, it's ended up in a goal which, cro- I mean... The, the margin yeah. so small. It's Two millimetres the other way and it's no goal. Yeah. I, I will agree with Jez slightly in terms of I think the um, the back six were good. I thought the defence and the midfield was okay, but the, the front three and the and um, Rogic in behind, not their best performance, but it's kind of a case of like, well, what do you expect from them? I mean, they're not going to be able to do damage every time they get the ball because they're kind of starved for possession. Robbie Cruz was driving me nuts. and I know he is a lightning rod, but... He's sort of making a rod for his own back with performances like that. Leckie wasn't exactly um, streets ahead either. But, yeah, the, the front four didn't cover themselves in too much glory, but difficult circumstances nonetheless. See, I disagree. I thought Leckie and Cruz were actually okay. I thought they both worked really hard. I've been a big criticiser, a big critic of Robbie Cruz. But I actually thought he didn't do too badly last night. He wasn't really giving a ball in dangerous positions and can we talk about Lucas Hernandez for a second I've seen Jenga towers go down slower than him (laughs) oh yeah there was um I think with the case of them having the ball a little bit more there's obviously going to be more opportunities for them to go down an interesting thing I noticed um and the Spanish players did this as well we can talk about that is their ability to instead of going for that say the ball's a 50-50 and it's coming to them instead of going like I'm going to go and control the ball their first instinct actually is just to get their leg across get their body across and just take that player out and make them sort of uh, commit a foul and the French players did that a lot you know um, Leckie did it a few times won a few fouls but yeah the French players were doing that and were taking um, slight contact to go down Tolisso got one in the back which I thought was barely enough and he's acting as if he's been shot there was a there was an instance though in the I think it was late lateish in the second half where Leckie can, goes up for a jump with Hernandez. He barely catches Hernandez, and Hernandez is rolling and screaming near, near the box. Right, he yeah, deserves yeah. a night in the gulag for that. Hit the gym, big man. <laughs> yeah, they the interesting thing is they all have hit their gym, but they just act like um, the slightest touch. You know, loses all their motor skills. It's um, I understand <laughs> you, you need 
you need the margins and, and you need everything you can to, to get ahead. And sometimes like that's the fine line between morality and, and cheating and that sort of stuff. Like as a pro athlete, you're looking for any edge. I understand that. But sometimes there's a, there's a way to go about it and be a bit clever. And there's other times where it's a bit embarrassing. That, the French performance still confused me so much. I don't know what you think, Louis, about it seems like that however they set up and however how they played it wasn't a France team at 100%. Yeah. Do you think that's a conscious tactical decision that they th- they look at the group and think we're going to get out of this group. We'll do enough to get the points. We'll we'll conserve a little bit of energy for the knockouts when it really matters. I think it was a it's a team of individuals. I don't think it's a, a conscious decision to sort of play in second and third gear. If you go around that whole squad by the fullbacks, I think um, all of those players are right up there with the main men for their club. Uh, Kante, even though he's a, he is the main man, he does play more of a team role for both Chelsea and France. But I think all of those players are used to like having the limelight and sort of their team funneling through them as a front three on paper. You know, Griezmann, Dembele, and um, Mbappe. They're, they're frightening, but they actually didn't create too much. No. And, and I think because maybe uh, I dislike him a lot, but maybe Giroud is, is, is more ideal for the French side because he can bring the other two wingers in as opposed to Griezmann, who is just another great individual up forward. I honestly, I didn't want to really say this on the podcast, but, oh, my, but I'll, I'll put this out. My prediction is they won't get past the quarterfinals. I think they're too inexperienced. They're not enough of a team. And I know they're highly touted, but that's from people who look at their, their team sheet and not watch them play. Yeah, if you if you watch that performance, I don't think that's a big shout at all. I mean, you, you say a team of individuals. I say team of wankers. That's <laughs> potato, potato, right? <laughs> so what you say is there's too many chefs in the kitchen, really? Uh, I, I would think so. Um they're a young side as well, so too many young chefs in the kitchen. In four years, they'll, they'll win the World Cup next uh, in Qatar. I think in four years... Put if, that down. It, I think in four years, they'll have a better crack. Um, I, I just The idea I had going in was they're a great team on paper, but they're not a fantastic team. And I think last night, I mean, we showed that the, the other teams in the group will take, take real heart from that result and be like, France are beatable. Absolutely. Talked a bit about front four. We only had one shot on target during a game. That was a penalty. Uh, what does the front four really need to do or really need to focus on ahead of the Denmark and Peru games? You know, Rogic, as we've said, really didn't get into the game. He looked When he did, he looked very good. Uh, Leckie and Cruz toiled hard, but for no reward. Naboo uh, ran square, into... Square pegging around hole, Naboo. Poor fella. He, he hammered Hernandez. Uh, just <laughs> he did it near the quarter flag, right? He absolutely yocked him. He's uh, yeah. He went into him like a freight train. Yeah. Uh, did no studs or anything. He just like, just body slammed him. Really. Uh, D- does that free kick that um uh oh, the, Loris dug out? From yeah. The bottom um, it was nearly no goal. goal. Uh, is that a shot on time? That came out. That hit a French player. So I believe. I, I do think that was probably the best chance. Uh, um, for the first 20, 30 minutes. That really, that really riled me up because yeah. you know I don't like Lloris and. Yeah, and, and, I was, and, I was like, how does he and, that? And out? you don't save that. That like you're yeah. not supposed to. If there's a cross that comes in, you're expecting a, a proper shot on target. It, those ones that just goes through everybody, they end up in the goals. Like yeah. he's not supposed to save that. Yeah. Frustrating. Heading into the next game against Denmark, would you guys change anything? Do you think maybe there should be a change in midfield or up top? I think the the team is fine the way it is. I think obviously if Juric was fitter, I think having a target man up front instead of Naboo would be would be lovely. But that's just a question of his knee and, and how quick he, he can come back. Yeah, I actually think uh, Juric will come back in for that game. He looked okay when he came on. 
Um, and Rogic is probably um, probably most suspect to lose this spot as well. Do you, Do you bring in Mass? No, nah, I think Tom's too experienced. And he, if anything, the game to drop Rogic was the France game. Um, and put a more defensive player in there or play more higher up or whatever. Now that that's gone, I think we need Rogic's class because we need wins now. Does Jackson Irvine maybe factor in as well? I thought he was pretty good. He threw himself about as he always does. I really like his work rate and his endeavour. Uh, I know they're saying like buzzwords, but I was, you know, he, he left an impression on me last night. I think, he's, I think he's too good as a sub to bring on. I think it would be difficult for him to start... He, he doesn't have as, as much class as Rogic and over 60 minutes you're probably not going to get as many killer passes and I th- it's just a case of that player will bring in, in energy in the last half hour if you swap the roles around they're not as effective Sean I know you've got a few strong opinions about the VR decision would you like to let fly? Yeah I the thing that really annoys me about VAR is that I'm a big supporter of it and a big supporter of technology and I think it should be used but the way it's being used, I don't think there's anything wrong with the technology, even with the rules behind it, which are, I think it's to overrule a clear and obvious a error. error. Yep. So how you can look at that replay and say that that is a clear and obvious mistake, it's definitely a penalty, when I, I don't know, maybe I saw it wrong, but to me it looks like he gets solid contact on the ball into Griezmann's foot, and then it runs on to, to the goalkeeper. Is, is that the way everyone else saw it? or uh, When I was watching it live, I actually thought we were in trouble. I thought uh, it was a penalty. Yeah, I thought uh, penalty first yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. But then when you watch the, the replay, he gets the slightest little nick onto yeah. it. So I, so I don't that... think he gets a slight nick onto it. I think he whacks it into it, and the ricochet off, off Griezmann goes ten. Maybe I'm... I don't Maybe know. I thought I was I was with Sean at the start, so I thought he's clearly won the ball, and then he's gone into Griezmann. But watching the replay, then I was like, no, he's won none of the ball, and he's got Griezmann. And then then you see another then another one. But the, surely the fact we can have this discussion means that it's not a clear and obvious error, right? I mean, maybe yeah. the fact that it was given a penalty makes me go, oh, okay, I can see why they've given it. Um, if you put that incident to me in isolation. You can make cases for both, and I think that's the bit that you're annoyed about. Yeah, but wasn't the, the on if the on field call is play no, on, man. then then you have to like I the way I saw it, and maybe I need to watch it again because I was watching it on an Optus stream, um, <laughs> so it did jump around a bit and wasn't that clear. But yeah, I I have to see it again maybe and, and zoom it in and but to me it should be a, a clear. And the other thing about VAR is. I don't know why the, the guy has to go and look under the hood and go into his little booth. Why don't they just have a proper referee? They, they do. Uh, they, ha- they have a proper referee. I understand, the Italian but, then, guy but, then that, but then he says, using, oh, yeah. what, what, come over here and, um, and have a look at it. I'd, I'd suggest you come and have a look at it. Why don't you just make a decision and just say, no, it's not clear, carry on. I, th- I think that's a good indication at how close the decision was. They exactly. had to get him to go over. Yeah, and, and if, you, if you can't make the decision yourself as a, as a referee in the VAR booth, it can't be that clear. And... And that's the other thing is it would save so much more time if instead of calling the referee over to get under the hood, I'm I'm using NFL terminology, but instead of while that 30 seconds while the ball's knocking about before it goes out, the the referee in the booth can be looking at it, making a decision, and then when the ball goes out, they can say a quick one to him, say, it's not that clear, we'll go with your on-field call. Well, well, that's what they've they've done throughout the tournament so far with a lot of 50-50 calls. They've done that where um, you hear the commentator say the the referee has has given the all-clear, it's not 
um, a penalty or a foul through VAR. So they they yeah. are doing it in that way. I just think that's <sighs> how that's how close. Yeah, their, I'm just getting here. I just I just don't see why they have the need for that aspect of it because if you need to call them over to look at it themselves, then it's not a clear and obvious mistake. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, Louis. I'm sorry I'm getting angry. <laughs> good, good passion, mate. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie! Oi, oi, oi! Already, the World Cup has served up some dramatic games, and it's been a pretty strong start to the tournament. I know Louis is just itching to discuss Portugal and Spain, which he watched live. Yeah, I did watch it uh, live. I, I watched the, the games beforehand, stayed up till um, 2 o'clock for the kickoff. I had work the next day at 8, so it was going to be a, a short night's sleep for me. But with matches like that, they make... You know, being an Australian and having terrible um, football kickoff times, they make it worth it. It was from the first whistle, we had Ron um, scoring the pen. Some people, no, it was just one of my mates said it wasn't a pen. Disgraceful. It was a stone cold pen. Don't, you... I'm sitting right here, mate. Don't <laughs> fucking deflate like that. No, oh, no, it was actually like another guy, Harry. But uh, do you... I, it, it was, uh, he was going down whether he got contact, contact or not, right. and he, he got, got the contact, contact. So, yeah. fuck, whatever. Well, anyway, that got the match uh, underway. Um, the Spanish players, <laughs> I mean, for all the tiki taka, what was the goal they scored? Costa, a long ball to him, and him absolutely beasting and feasting. That was fantastic to see. And I also like the fact that he gave Pepe a, a little jab in the face. I was going to say, did you think that was a foul on Pepe? Um, well, here's the thing. He's made contact. I don't think it's enough to warrant Pepe you know, acting as if he's been sniped down. And if Pepe doesn't act like a baby and the reputation that um, precedes him... Yeah, I was going to say, it's all the reputation. Well, it's both. It? So if he doesn't act like a baby, he can get up and probably come back. Because Costa... He has to cut back Co- six times. Costa, yeah. yeah, exactly. His bloody, you know, cutting back a lot. Diego Costa is still cutting back in that penalty box. It, it, it's, it's just it's exactly what the Spanish team needs. It's like they've got all that craft and then just a bastard up top who can do something <laughs> like that. But I think it wasn't a foul because it's not enough to make him go down. And I... And, the comment, like we talk about VAR, the commentator goes, VAR have checked this, and and it's still ruled a goal. And I was like, fucking good on you, boys. There was because there was talk before the tournament of Spain. You know they've got such a great team. They don't have a striker. I mean, Costa goes and nabs two goals. Uh, I think that's talk from people who don't watch Spanish football. He's been in good form for Atletico, um, and him and Griezmann up top are a force to be reckoned with. He can play as a lone. He plays in in a, a two up there, but he can play as a lone striker. We saw that at Chelsea. I don't think. Um, any of the Spanish media were worried about not having a striker. Did, did people just think he wasn't going to play? Because I don't think I, I don't know how anyone looks at that team and says Diego Costa isn't. A I, I think it's the whole um, the break when he was at Chelsea and he just was out of favour with Conte and you know how he was sort of wasn't playing. Yeah, people and just he's a pick, big suck. He won't play. Yeah, well, one, people so. just think he's in the wilderness. They don't do enough research. They just see that and go, "Oh, that's right. They have Diego Costa." You know, yeah. so. He definitely brings that bastard edge to Spain. They're too nice, they're too likeable, and then we've got Costa up front who will probably shoot his own grandmother for a place in the World Cup. <laughs> I, I, I think he's absolutely fantastic. Um, exactly what a, what a team needs, a player like that, especially the Spanish players. It was uh, the best, so that I just wanted to say, that was the best battle of the bastards since Game it, of Thrones. Yeah, <laughs> Costa, yeah, it's such a good uh, mono or mono um, battle, and I think the, the right man came out on top in that case. Then um, Ronaldo... Um, scores another goal. Now, guys, I'd like to get your take on this. Obviously, it's a left foot shot. It's at De Gea. He spills it in. Um, commentators, Twitter, everyone is rife just having a go at De Gea. And I know he should save it. But I I do think Ronaldo's absolutely cooked that at him. And yes, he should save it. But it's, it's not as bad as people are thinking. Maybe that's just me. I'm just empathising with the keeper. 
No, I think you're an idiot. It's a howler. Yeah, it's no. a I'm, howler. With you, I'm with you, Louie. Like, All right. when Ronaldo hits it, it swerves and dips, and you never know what way it's going to go. Absolutely- oh, yeah. it's almost like he's a professional goalkeeper, and that's his <laughs> oh, job, no, like, no, to no. deal with the swerve and the dip. Fuck me. Yeah. Carrius has swerved and dipped at him in the, ch- in the, in the Champions League final as well, he should have saved. Right. He was concussed as well. I know it's a World Cup uh, podcast, but I will open this up. Do you think Carrius is seems worse because of the, the whole Benzema thing he did beforehand? So he's done the Benzema, throw it out. And then he's made a mistake for Bales. Do you think that makes the the carriers the second mistake worse? Because David de Gea, I mean, before that wasn't really too bad. Uh, they're both shit. Is that what you're trying to say? They're both just shit. Yeah. Like that. I yeah. We don't want to talk too much about the Champions <laughs> League final because I almost erased it from my memory. But the first one's just uh, there's no excuse for it. There's no explanation. Like you just don't need to rush the ball out. And the second one is just a horrible mistake as well. Um, De Gea's, yeah, would have been worse if he'd made two howlers in the game, but he only made one. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with Sean. That was an absolute shocking mistake. Like, it's it's simple goalkeeping. I know he's absolutely fizzed it to him. Like Sean says, he's professional goalkeeper. It's literally his job. He's not just a professional goalkeeper. He's the best goalkeeper in the world. I'm not saying he... I'm not saying he like it. I can't believe you he, just don't think it was just, as big as I, I think the reaction is like, oh, this will scar him for his career and like. Oh you know, no, I it think, won't scar him. It'll scar him for the next game. I tell you what, if he does it in the final, it will scar. Him. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and that, I guess that's what I'm saying. Anyway, we're still in the the game. It was that action packed, and, and the first half, I honestly was tired when kickoff happened, and it, it gave me a lot of energy. So the second half starts. Spain uh, score a, a quick goal with Diego Costa off a set piece. Interesting, he didn't celebrate too much. I thought it was the first one because he thought it was going to get chalked off for the, the the Pepe, you know, kerfuffle. But he didn't celebrate for the second one either. I wonder, for a player who plays so much on the edge, why he seemed to be a bit reserved. Does he think maybe he used to play for them and he's played for so many teams and countries he doesn't know? <laughs> he just doesn't celebrate he's anymore? He's going through a bit of an identity crisis. crisis. Who am I? They always ask me how I am. They never ask me who I am. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then uh, what seemed like the uh, the goal that would break the deadlock, Nacho, an absolutely fantastic strike. He's hit that crisp as anything. Um, his first international goal. And I was a bit disappointed he got tackled by the sort of Spanish players and he didn't get to run out. And I, I would have just run to the touchline just screaming. But um, it was just such a great strike. Early contender for goal of the tournament. And, you know, that wasn't all she wrote. Big Ron steps up at the end. I was texting my mates throughout the game saying, Guerrero is a much better set-piece taker. He's got to get on the ball. I, I back him as far, far he more than the, Ronaldo. He hasn't scored a free kick for ages. But yeah, and Ronaldo, interesting thing about his free kick, he, he side-foots it. Um, he, he does the big knuckle run-up, and he always hits the ball with the laces. But that's one of the first free kicks I've seen him hit with uh, the side foot. And De Gea was motionless. And uh, it was so fantastic to see Ronaldo just absolutely grab a game by the scruff of the neck, like he always does. Just confirmation that he's right up there in terms of the best players in the world and uh, one of the best ever. Just to dig at De Gea again, it wasn't right in the corner and I think he would have expected... No, I think he would have expected to make a much better fist of that and get, at least get oh, close to it. his standards, of course, yeah. I, think that, I don't think it was an unsavable free kick and, yeah, he just, I, didn't, I he just he, didn't judge I it. I think he was shocked that he, he hit it with the inside of his foot. I honestly think he thought he was going to cook it at him laces style like he usually You've does. You've got all the excuses out for De Gea today, don't no, you? I'm just, emp- I'm just empathetic <laughs> for the poor fella. Here's an interesting stat about Portugal at the World Cup. 
Uh, they've won 12 out of 14 games when they score first and have never lost after scoring the first goal like they did against Spain on Saturday morning. Yeah, the stat coming out that uh, they've never lost, I think, when Ronaldo scored two. And um, that was certain, certainly making waves after Nacho's goal and they thought that duck was going to be broken. Well, was Ronaldo the first player to score in eight major tournaments in a row, four World Cup finals? I mean, he's just a machine. How many teams lose when they have a player that scores two goals? Good point. Good point. But you know, no, it's it's a good, it's good stuff. I think they just they just love a bit of Ron stats. Yeah, from one of the best players in the world to the other, Lionel Guilty Messi. Sigurds? Oh, sorry, jumping on that. <laughs> Lionel Messi had a pretty disappointing night last night. Argentina drew one all with the Vikings from Iceland. Jeremy, where do Argentina go from here? And where does Messi go from here? He missed a penalty. He was trying to make things happen, but just wasn't working for him. Uh, well, I mean, it's been spoken about so much. Lionel always having to carry his team. But they'll still be favourites to get through. But the other teams in the uh, the group, they'll take a lot of heart from the, this result. Um, they'll be confident going in as well. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Argentina just don't look as strong to me. Um, their defence is a bit shaky. Marcus Rojo, you mean... You never know what he's going to do. He's a Rojo uh, waiting yeah, to happen. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he is um, a Rojo waiting to happen. Mascherano's cooked, I reckon. Um, yeah. I do think they're, they're a similar side to France where they've got the individuals, a lot of their uh, players are the main men in their clubs and it's just difficult for them to come together. There's not enough team players. And I think Mascherano always offered that when he played for them, that the glue that sort of held that team together. Um, shout out to Aguero. I think that's his first World Cup goal uh, after nine, nine appearances. A player of that calibre, I cannot believe it's That's taken insane. him that long to score. Good goal on the left foot. Um, fantastic from him. Leo always cops a bit of flack for his penalty taking. He's missed a few high-profile ones. Champions League semi-finals, Copper America finals, another World Cup finals game. Um, I think you've just got to get him off pets. You, yeah, who would yeah but you were it? saying to get Ronaldo off free kicks as well and then... Uh, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, I would like to add that I think Iceland and the way they play, I know we don't have too many players of the, the physical nature that Iceland have, but for, for a lesser nation, the way they play, that's just a blueprint of the way I think teams with less resources, less players should play. Set pieces, they're always a threat. The, the amount of times, um, and the commentators said this, when they're out in wide areas, they always seem to get a telling ball into the back post. So they just make something. and whether, whether they're finishing it off or not, it's not the case. They just... They just seem to squeeze every last drop out of themselves and they're just really well organised. It's not the prettiest football, but that's what you have to play like when you don't have the resources or the culture to back your nation up. They do actually get numbers forward when they get the ball yeah, as well. Of it's not like they just dig in like a Burnley and, and lump a long ball up to a big striker and that's it. They yeah. do actually get wingers forward and like you're saying, they get balls into the box and they, yeah. That was a, that was a, another point the commentary uh, team made was the Iceland team need to be careful because they were committing numbers forward and this Argentina side's obviously, you know, so great going forward as well. It's insane, really. Like looking at their occupations. Well, the the goalkeeper is a. Di- I'm, the not goalkeeper, a fan, I'm not a fan of this sort of shit. The goalkeeper hey. is a director. The coach is a dentist. Uh, the right back is a polar bear sh- wrangler. Shock! They have to like make a living. Like get over it, man. It's not the FA Cup. Isn't like, it third in- round. Isn't it interesting though? Like the just. Yeah, I be, love the a good be, goalkeeper uh, story. Goalkeepers yeah. always have interesting. They're crazy. Yeah. I thought it was the, the, the Saudi Moroccan. Ara- oh, I thought the, it was the Moroccan keeper yeah, or or the Ara- Iranian keeper who definitely was homeless. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, before it and, and working jobs as a dishwasher. Like yeah, that that's fine. But like the whole thing of 
you know, they do this in the FA Cup where it's just like, oh, let's look at all the occupations. Like, they're human beings. Of course, they're going to have to work. Like, not everything's, you know... Um, we can't all be like yes, Louis maybe. and living off the dole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't be like me living off the dole. I'd like to cut that out, please. <laughs> <laughs> and don't call his girlfriend a doll. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie! Oi, oi, oi! One team who may benefit from Argentina's draw of Iceland is a team very close to Mr. Granich's heart, the Croatians, who beat Nigeria 2-0 overnight and are now in probably box seat to take top spot, you'd think. Yeah, I was obviously um, happy with both the Croatian performance, the result, and the uh, Argentina-Iceland result as well. I thought the team selection was really good. He, um, In qualifying in the games leading up, he, he made a few decisions that sort of baffled me. He played Modric at... 10 position, we all know he's a, a better deep-line playmaker. He played Chaluka at the back, who's quite an old player. Um, he didn't make the lineup. They had Vida and um, Lovren in the middle, and I think they really dealt with Nigeria's pace pretty well. Can we talk about Vida's hair? That is... Sh- what a shocking haircut. Mate, he's been rocking that that lid um, for quite a while, and I, I, I kind of like him. I, I think he's a really quick, mobile defender, and, and that hair gives him a bit of character, a bit of... Bit of visibility out in the pitch. Does it give him a bit of speed. Is it the aerodynamic? Uh, oh, he certainly whips it like a like little ponytail goes around when he goes around for a header. I just want to pull it off, like just just to snap it off. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like the go around like cutting fuck boys hair off. Yeah. I, 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 I do I do agree with you. Um, it's it's a bit interesting, but I don't know. I'm a big fan of him as a player, so I give him a bit of leeway. Um, Rebic, Mandzukic, Perisic. Uh, the interesting thing they did is they played their wingers on the opposite side for the um first twenty minutes. For, for the first 20 minutes, which I didn't really like. Perisic so good um, as a left winger for Inter, and he just played on the right for the first 20 minutes, and I thought we really struggled. And they rotated it. Mandzukic, just an absolute lesson in forward play. I don't think he made maybe one touch where the ball came off him in a forward direction. He always laid it back for the on-rushing um, strikers. The one touch that he did make that I remember was off a corner, came through like an absolute salmon, and um, we ended up getting an own goal from it. Second half, he won the pen after... A, a rugby the, tackle, an, an RKO from from behind. It was outrageous. And, and I love I love how after he did that, it was like, what still, did I do? Yeah, still you that, tackled him. VAR, and even if there wasn't, mate, like I can see it from the the sideline. You've absolutely just got him round the neck. It was like it looked like they were doing like a tandem skydive. Yeah, and he was it, just it, holding him as close <laughs> as he could. Yeah, uh, Modric put away the pen, stoked with that, and could have had a few more. The subs they brought on Brozovic, Kovacic, Piazza, like. Just such depth, and I, I am. I was obviously optimistic coming into the tournament, and that's a, a great start for us. Are you going to win the tournament now? Absolutely not. I think if we can get further than France, I'll be happy because everyone, you know, thinks the the French will go far. Based on the performances I saw last night, I'd take Croatia over France. Ah, thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie! If you're listening to this podcast, I truly hope you're finding it a bit more reliable than the average Optus stream, which has been about as assured as David De Gea dealing with a Cristiano Ronaldo shot. <laughs> There's been a lot of complaints about the quality of Optus streams, and I know Sean Fry is one such unhappy customer. Yeah, I am actually have been like an Optus defender throughout the Premier League season because I've got it on my phone. I'm with Optus, and I can just watch the games anywhere. Data free, the quality's good. But then, yeah, the World Cup comes around, and the there was, there was some traffic on there. I think the Optus people were surprised I, that there was some traffic on the network. I know, it's crazy how they... And it's, Outrageous. It's, it's, the same way the NBN people are surprised that oh, there's uh, people playing people video using games. Our product. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, but the, yeah, and not only that is the, the stream dodgy, but the pricks, I didn't realise that it... Uh, so 
Premier League's data free. Yeah. And I chewed up a gig and a half oh, last no, night no, watching no, games. Cup, didn't, cause, yeah, because they haven't been advertising yeah. obviously data free, but so you presume. Yeah, but I just thought it's on the Don't same see. app. Yeah. And the fuck is, yeah. So now I'm get, that's going to cost me like 10 bucks just yeah. to watch us lose to France. Yeah, I'm, I'm not happy, but that doesn't fucking change. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's, it's inexcusable. SBS have always held the rights and, and, and done a good job. You know, I'm not always a fan of the um, peanut gallery, you know, talking on Twitter about everything that goes wrong, but I, I'm You're glad... You're allergic to... A, you've got a severe peanut you know, gallery. <laughs> peanut <laughs> gallery allergy. Allergy, yes, I do. But Say I, that ten times fast. <laughs> uh, what I will say is uh, I'm glad I can go online and think, oh, my stream's dodgy. Just type in Optus Sport on Twitter, and they are getting an absolute barrage of abuse. Uh, it's good to see because they, um, you know, they put a tweet out during the Egypt-Uruguay game and that just it made things worse, and that was the the general gist. It was like, why are you tweeting uh, something about the game? Fix your product first. You're just making it worse. I would actually like to step in and defend the poor social media guy. Um, I've done some social media. I've done some live tweeting for the Socceroos for Channel Ten, yeah. and it was the Australia versus Czech Republic game where the stream went down, and I got an absolute bulletin <laughs> on all Twitter. Your fault, yeah, and it's like I you, you literally. I, I had to speak to my manager who had to speak to the guys in charge of the street. And it's like, I, I have no control over the stream well, that, whatsoever. That, but, well, it's like, all I, can, all I could do was just be like, really sorry about the stream, guys. We, we've let the guys in charge know. One guy, I kid you not, sent 55 tweets over the course of the night to Channel 10 about how bad the stream was. I, it's just, and he wasn't the only one. There were some really pissed off customers. I completely get that. I understand it's completely not acceptable if you're going to advertise a stream like uh, Ten did, and it was down. That was that wasn't cool. I can understand the anger, but I was getting an absolute beating. I was like, this. I just signed up to live tweet the game. I didn't sign yeah. up for this stuff. It's almost like Twitter's full of dickheads. Yeah, almost. Which is why I'm so popular on there. What did died. Uh, Noel Gallagher say the the playground of idiots I thought that yeah. was quite apt I think customers just want transparency when things go wrong and so I want uh, the product to come out and say we're fixing this and we're doing our best that sort of thing and for okay. some heads to roll yes and just <laughs> we've sacked our chief of staff yeah. all that sort of stuff yeah he's not uh, the president I don't know why they'd have a chief of staff <laughs> <laughs> Doug Stamper has been given the sack yeah <laughs> They've sacked their Air Force One pilot. Has, has anyone actually watched or streamed the games on demand? Like, I streamed Portugal, Spain. It was more stop-start than my dating life. Well, I have, Smithy, and you must be getting some uh, some action on the weekend because my on-demand um, experience has been fantastic. It's been very smooth. It's been consistent, and um, results have been aplenty. So, that's nothing like my dating life. Okay, okay, okay. But, but um, oh, I think the um, that's one good thing about the Optus uh, set up is the on-demand sort of stuff. I've had good experiences with it, and I'm excited to use it throughout the tournament if I can't catch a game. Uh, Jez, do you think SBS maybe deserve a bit of criticism for kind of gifting Optus for rights? Yeah, I don't think that was the best thing to do on their end. Um, I mean, why, why won't you show it to everyone? It's the world's biggest tournament. Everyone's going to be tuning in. Uh, I, 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 tell, go through, I go well, through. I don't the know office. how much they had to pay. I, I, I'll tell you why, because oh, they yeah. would have got their pockets absolutely lined up, but, mate. Uh, I mean, you, you walk through the office at work and everyone's talking about football. It kind of makes me cringe hearing some of the things people say. But, I mean, give the people what they want to. Yeah, I, I just want a mean. free, non-interrupted game of football. 
Um, some people sign up to Optus just to watch APL and just to watch this World Cup, and they can't even do that. I feel, I feel, do feel sorry for those people. I am um, one of the. Um, well, let's just say I know a friend who knows a friend who has given another friend a password. So I think that's the the amount of credit and money I'm going to put back into Optus um, because I'm not, I'm not really willing to pay for their um, substandard sort of um, consistency. I, I I think they've been poor. Coming up over the next few days, there's some real quality matchups. Jez, which game are you most looking forward to? Uh, I'm looking forward to Poland and Senegal. You've got uh, one of the world's best strikers up one end, Robert Lewandowski, and then up the other end, you've got the pace machine, Sadio Mane. Um, go head to head. It's going to be a good game. Um, Poland are probably expected to go through quite easily in their group as well, and probably the runner-up is throw a blanket over the rest of them. Um, so hopefully, uh, let's see Mane kick some goals. I thought um, Senegal looked pretty decent. They played Croatia in their uh, friendly leading up to the tournament, and they gave the, the Croats some problems in terms of pace. Just didn't have that sort of cutting-edge final-end product. They have Bal de Diaw um, from Monaco, former Lazio player. They've just got pace up front and could give the Poles some problems, but um, they're, they're a pretty exciting team. So. Yeah, last month of the season, I think Sadio Mane was like the... Salah obviously got all the reviews for his season um, at Liverpool, but last month of the season, Mane was the was the best player for us. I yeah. reckon he's, he's in such good form and couldn't, capable of anything. Louis, what are you looking forward to? I'm looking to uh, Belgium play Panama. <laughs> <laughs> Belgium play Panama. It sounds like a fucking... I don't know what it sounds like. I'm You're looking forward to the Belgian play. Uh, Panama. Panama. <laughs> <laughs> Live at the uh, King George Theatre. Um, Try again. We'll have a crack again, shall we? I'm looking uh, forward to Belgium and their game against Panama. Belgium are another team in this World Cup where they've got a lot of individuals and um, it's interesting to see how they'll gel. So we've got so many players who are, again, the main players at their club and they're coming together and... They're just it's, a perennial dark horse, aren't they? Uh, oh, yeah, always but, but, the, but are, always the but dark every horse. tournament. But are yeah. they though? I think of the last like three three tournaments, so the Euros, um, and the last World Cup. I don't think they played in Euro twenty twelve. Um, so the last two tournaments, they've definitely been touted as a dark horse. But I think they're um, just a regular, regular a, horse, a grey a grey horse. <laughs> um, they're a Shetland pony. But uh, I, I don't understand. Like well, I don't know the difference between well, where does it go from being a dark, dark horse, horse to a lot. bunch of underachieving individuals. I, I think that's that we'll f- see that this tournament. I, I think as well, they might not have um, the the capability to go as far as everyone thinks. If we're talking them up as dark horses, I think the jockey Roberto Martinez is probably <laughs> not the best coach. Uh, uh, it's a it's a pretty interesting appointment, Martinez. Um, I'm a big fan of old TT working with the strikers. I think he, just his beard down on the touchline, just seeing Henri in the flesh every other Belgian game, obviously, makes me pretty excited. I, I just think Martinez is a bit... Uh, he's bitten off more than he can chew, I think. And Sean, which game are you most looking forward to? Uh, probably not so much the game. Obviously, the Australia game is uh, very exciting, but the um, the England is always exciting to see there. More more the media circus yeah. surrounding I, it. I, I, um, I'm with you. I really enjoy watching England for the fact that like watching you their know country's every, expectations. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah, you know there's going to be some controversy. You know there's going to be a hundred pundits that don't understand how VAR or the rules or. <laughs> Football work. Scrap it all. Yeah. You know, You're going to have Mark Lawrenson dribbling some nonsense. There's going to be a scapegoat or Martin Tyler getting very unenthusiastic about the goals. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie! Oi, oi, oi! 
And that wraps up this episode of the Football Sack Podcast for Russia. If you like what you hear, please give us a rating and subscribe on both iTunes and Podbean. Bye from all of us in the studio. Five stars, please. I'd just like to say, yeah, give us a, a good rating if you can. Yeah, yeah. And if you get me as your Uber driver this weekend, then five stars as well for that. <laughs> all across the board. We'll see you next time. Bye. See ya. Adios. Adios.